Maurice is blocked by Bogut. Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get Rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bogues Basketball Series. Another week to talk NBA Finals and everything going on in the world of basketball. Pro, been watching the finals? Yeah, why not, Bogues? I got nothing else to do that's anything productive, you know? So, yeah, been watching it. Hey, entertaining. Regardless of 3-1, whatever, it's been really good games, really competitive, just comes down to the better team and sort of team with the better talent. But, yeah, it's been it's been really fun. I, I, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed the games. Agree. I mean, it's been – even though it's 3-1 right now, it's been uh, it's been a fun ride. I think the um, the swings are, are still possible. <coughs> Going back to uh, to Denver now. But, look, it's 3-1. Everyone thinks Miami's on the canvas for the most part. I mean, a 3-1 deficit is not uh, unachievable. I can vouch for that, being part of one where we had three wins and lost. Um, but, you know, Denver – Huge growth uh, throughout this, just throughout the playoffs. I feel like they've grown as a team um, all throughout it. You know, different players, different role players. I mean, game four, for those that didn't watch, that was a role player game. It was strictly a role player game. I mean, Jokic and and, and and Murray played okay. I mean, Jokic, I mean, we're, we're saying, Jokic had 23, 12, and four. And we're saying he played okay because his standards are much more lofty, but three steals, three blocks, still had a solid game. But it was a role player game. Um, Aaron Gordon, game probably game of the season for him. Uh, he finishes with 27.7 rebounds, six assists, one steal, you know, two turnovers only, two for three from free throw line, three for four from three, 11 for 15 from the field. Unbelievable game. Probably the best game I've seen, high-state game for him in a Denver Nuggets uniform. And Bruce Brown, you know, he's been he's been awesome throughout the season. So, um, But he, he comes off the bench with 21 and four, two assists, 8-11 shooting. Jeff Green comes in, hits a big three in that fourth. You know, he only goes one for one and it's that three. So, so the role players, Braun in game three was huge again. The role players for them have been huge. And I feel like Miami, um, everything offensively seems like such a grind right now for him. You know, I think, you know, why they were tough against Boston was they played nonchalant. Um, Martin, Vincent, first open look, we're shooting it, we're knocking it down. I think the pressure, the pressure, the fatigue, the grind of the NBA finals has started to get those guys. They're not as aggressive early. And it seems like that that Miami Heat versus the Lakers in the finals a couple of seasons ago, where if Jimmy doesn't have it on any given night, they are they are struggling to to just find a flow offensively. It's just, it's just real clunky. Um, Jimmy wasn't horrible by any means. Nine for seventeen from the field, twenty five seven and seven. But uh, Bam with twenty and eleven, but wasn't a great game by Bam. Um, but that, that was really it. That's all they really got. I mean, Kevin Love finished with 12 and, and Caleb Martin had 11, but the, the Martin-Vincent combination has probably dwindled out the last couple of games. Kyle Lowry's, you know, going to bring you what he brings you. Duncan Robertson's been solid, but uh, yeah, I, I think their offense has just been clunky and I give credit to Denver for that. They've, they've, they've made a huge jump defensively this season. That's why they're in the NBA Finals. That's why they have a chance to win a championship. They've really stepped up with what people, people think in Jokic is like a horrible defender. Uh, which we both disagree. Uh, you know, he, I think he's a tad above average just from IQ. He's not a not a high end defender, but he's he gets it done because he knows how to play the game. I mean, he kicked. I don't know if you watched the whole game, but he kicked three or four bounce passes, which would have led for layups. Now, okay, they don't get the ball back, but he put his foot out, read the play, stopped four layups. You know, and and then we talk about Miami struggling to score. So that's kind of what I've seen. And and that game four was just a great. You know, that was. A case study on on role players staying ready, 
you know, Gordon's had his ups and downs, Brown's had his ups and downs, and, and they just came in and, and dominated that game start to finish. And it didn't really feel like Miami was in that game for, for most of it. But I also think going into game five, I, I would not be shocked if if Miami win game five. I think Denver still get the series and it could come where where Miami now goes and punches Denver and now Denver's threatened going back to Miami. I think that's, that's highly possible. And we often see championships won on, on road floors just it's just a weird thing that always happens, Pro. But what? Give me your thoughts on on the series in Game Four. Well, I think I think for the series, you know, look, Miami's tired, man. You know, Jimmy Butler, just like in twenty, uh, just like in the bubble, he he was tired. Yeah, he he he's played his heart out, you know, for the whole playoffs, and he he's getting beat up. Bam Adebayo's had a good, a real, you know, really dominating performances, rebounding the ball, running the floor, being a scorer, just trying to do everything that he can. And and I think that, you know, Max Struess has had a, a terrible series. And look, you know, they've those guys have been great. Vincent, him, you know, Caleb Martin, those guys have been excellent, just bringing it every night. I don't think it's a, a question of those guys not bringing it. I just think that they're not making shots. And when they're not making shots – Everything lies on Jimmy and, and Bam, and, and it just makes it that much different, you know, that much more difficult. On the other end of things, yeah, we talk about, you know, you, you, you've put it, you know, as well as anyone could put it, your role players are going to win you in the series. You're going to play through your great players. You're going to play through, you know, you're going to play through Jokic and you're going to play through Jamal Murray, but it's going to be Gordon, you know, Gordon Brown, you know, Brown. Uh, to to a lighter extent, of course, but like those guys are, you know, the Michael Porter when he shows up every eighth possession. But when those guys do it for you, that's that's what's going to keep you going. Especially when you sub out your great players, those guys gotta they gotta guard people. They gotta you know they gotta give energy. They gotta make shots. They gotta you know they gotta execute. And I just think that look, it's been a great series. You know, both teams just battling. And I, but I just think that, you know, Denver's just wearing them down. They're, they're a better team. You know, they've got their their top two. It's probably better overall than Miami's top two. Um, and then the role players are really playing well, and they're making shots, and they're making plays, and they're, and they're cutting, and they're moving, they're moving the ball. Defensively, they're playing with energy. And look, Miami's competing. They're doing everything they can. They just don't have enough at the end of the day. They need Struess and, you know, they need Struess to make shots. I think he's a huge part of things because he was such a huge part of, uh, you know, shot making in the Boston series and he's just not doing it. And it's not just his fault, but, you know, it, you know, Gabe Vincent and Struess, like those guys got to play at capacity for these guys to have, a, for Miami to have a chance to do anything. And they just not, they're not doing it right now. And look, they, they're competing. They're just tired. They're beat up. They're trying. It's just look, shots not falling, and that's, and that's it. And I think for me, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I don't think that Jokic is a bad defender. Yet I think that Miami really needs to try to pinpoint him more in pick and rolls and try to attack, attack, attack. At least tire him out a little bit because he's working so hard on the offensive end. You got to force him to move his feet in the defensive end. Two things it wears him down a little bit more, and maybe you know maybe you got to go to the bench or earlier and then also you could get them in foul trouble i don't think they're really taking advantage of that i think they settle for you know a butler post up a lowry post up you know move the ball around move the ball around i think you have to be strategic 
and trying to get him in as many actions as possible to wear him down a little bit. Look, it's probably not going to do a lot, but it's a lot better than just flipping a coin and seeing what we're going to do. Like, I think that you got to really jam it down his throat to really wear him down because look at the other end of things like Bam out of, you know, Bam's getting worn down a little bit because he's got to play both ends of the floor. He's got to handle the ball, bring it up, play defense, you know, run the floor, try to score on offense. And he's getting worn down a little bit. He's playing 40 plus minutes a night. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's a great series and you know, I just look forward to seeing game five. Yeah. It looks like it's going to go, yeah, max six in my opinion. Um, we both were. You picked you, you picked Denver too, right? I think we both picked Denver four yeah. two four three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's looking like it's going to go that way. But stranger things happen. Um, and you know, I think there's probably a value also in. I just don't think Miami have enough bodies to throw at Jokic. You know, I mean Zeller, God bless him, he tries out there, but you know he's he's, he's not great on the offensive end. Not he's never really known for a super. Defender anyway, uh, but he's become more of a rebounder, defender type. That you know, maybe, maybe guys like Dwight Howard get another call in from some, some teams in the West. Uh, DeAndre Jordan as well, who's on the Denver Nuggets team. Funnily enough, could be handy for the Miami Heat right now. You know, a guy that no one really wanted doesn't really play much. Just an extra body. And I'm not gonna. I'm not saying these guys could stop. Um, you know, Jokic, but what, where they could really you know cause some trouble is. Just, just foul, physical, and then on that offensive end, these guys will crash the boards and make Jokic box out and get physical and, and try to wear him down that way. And I saw Jock Landale on, on a, a good guy, good friend, Jock Landale, on a uh, podcast clip with someone over in, in Phoenix, and he was talking about, I think he had a 90-something-plus percentage re- go-to-o-board rebound rate, so me- meaning that you've, you've tried to get an offensive rebound, and, and he was talking about the psychology behind that, that he, he was like, I knew I wasn't going to get – a lot of them. I knew I was in bad position where even if the ball bounced my way, I couldn't get him. But my whole goal was to keep hitting Jokic, keep running into his back, making him box out and move and grind and wrestle with me so I can try to take his legs for the fourth quarter. And that's something that's probably becoming more and more uh, underrated these days because you can't really test it analytically. Um, But I think it's valuable. And it's the same argument as you said, put Jokic in pick and rolls, put him in some actions to try and, you know, Obviously, go at him because he's an average defender, but also yeah. try to tire him out. And I think yeah. it'll be interesting to see next season what, you know, judging upon when when and if, well, when the Nuggets win the championship, um, will teams recalibrate now and react like they have? Like teams do every offseason after a championship, they'll try to react to whoever won it. That's probably going to be, you're going to need some hybrid bigs that can, that can wrestle down there and try to get Jokic, you know, in a physicality match. So I'm interested to see, I don't know what your thoughts are on that pro, but do we see more, more teams on the West loading up with a couple of more stronger backup bigs? I think, um, I think guy of teams that probably the head of the food chain will probably do that. I think teams that think that they're going to be there in, in June, May and June, that we're going to have to compete with that. will probably sort of tink- tinker with it. Um, I don't think everybody, just because I think the analytics I think the analytics department would would put a bomb under the GM's car if they did that because they're not a big fan of having too many bigs in the roster. But I think a select few are going to have to do it. You know, you're going to have to have guys that waste six fouls. You're going to have to guys just bang guys around the Zaza Pachulias, the you know, like guys like that that are big, strong. You know, could just bang you, bang you, bang you, and just just tire the hell out of you. 
and you know with Jokic and just sort of wrestle him and, and just for, wear him down more and more. And I think that's that's what you're gonna you'll see a little bit more of that for sure. I don't think it's gonna go crazy, but I could see like three or four teams probably. That you know, Memphis, the Memphis is the world, and things. You well, know, they got Adams, and yeah, he yeah. was hurt. But yeah, you're right. It's gonna, you're gonna need those bigs and, and sound guy. Just so you know, if you if you need some some ammo on pro, he just said he he wants to be bang 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 by some. You gotta let some guys bang you. So here we fucking re- go. Right, re- rewind thirty seconds and save that sure. for any day. Uh, sound a- guy. All right, moving on. <laughs> moving on okay, from the NBA awesome. finals, which has been great. Uh, I want to touch on this, bro. Um, Jokic. I don't know if you followed the, the rhetoric around how he's not that big of a star as he should be, considering he's two-time MVP, about to win the, the NBA Finals and, and potentially the Finals MVP. Kind of receiving some hate for being quote-unquote boring. Um, I love it. I, I think that he's one of the few players that's actually himself. He's not a manufactured star. He's not. He's not. Doesn't have a social media group. He doesn't have a PR group. I mean, they often ask him, "What are you going to do after the game?" I'm going to watch some horse racing and. Uh, sit by the pool, I hope it's a sunny day with my family, and everyone's like, ugh, so boring. Um, And we'll get to what's not boring a little bit later with NBA players, but it seems like because he's not no drama and just a family, actual proper family man, pro. Now, you and I have heard the word family in locker rooms for, what, 15, 20, 30 years. He's what it seems like a proper family man. Um, Copping some hate for it, pro, which is is quite interesting over there. Just I guess he's not TMZ-worthy, Daily Mail-worthy. He's not, you know involved in dramas off the floor. He's not hitting strip clubs up. He's not getting DUIs. And the psychology behind it is he's, he's, he's boring pro. Yeah, Bogues, you know, I don't really pay attention to that rhetoric stuff just because everybody, if he's not your guy, if you're, say, you know, a Joel, a Joel Embiid fan as far as the MVP race, you're going to find anything, you know, to try to, st- you know, He's not this. Jokic is this. Jokic is that. And and in the other end, too, if you're a Jokic guy, you'll probably do the same for Embiid. I mean, whatever. Look, dude, if they're going to think he's boring, he's fucking boring. But he's going to be boring with probably multiple fucking championship rings. You know, like the guy just gets it done. If if you feel as though he's boring and you want to follow more guys that beat their wives and you know, and go to strip clubs, go right ahead. If you like excitement, I love fucking boring. I'm the president of fucking boring. And look, if that's the way he is, if he wants to watch horse racing and shit like that, he wants to like down a couple of Papa John's pizzas when he goes home, fucking perfect. Do that. Let's do that. But, um, you know, Bogues, it's just like, there's just too much of this rhetoric. It just goes on and on and on. It doesn't stop. But it's just interesting, bro, because we we look at we look at you know we talk about the whole Charles Barkley role models thing, um, and this would be like the epitome of a role model. Like the dude goes home to his family every night. He's happy with that. He doesn't need to be in the club. Doesn't need to be driving a Ferrari. Doesn't need to be on private jets. He's, I don't even think he's on Instagram or, or any social media. You know, he just. It's just normal and now it's like, you know, like you said, yes, people will nitpick either way, but it seems like people for the most part think he's boring because he's not, you know, carrying a gun around threatening yep. people or whatever it is, right? And it's just like, well, you know, this should be the guy that is a role model for kids and role model for athletes. That that should be the athlete life. The athlete life shouldn't be getting all this money and flaunting it and, and you know, showing off all your wealth and and all that kind of stuff. I think he's doing it the right way, and it's it's commendable to me. I just thought I just I just find it funny. Um, you can't have it both ways. And then it's like, 
you know, the Jama Ants of the world, they get in trouble and you've got all these, talk, you know, people talking heads like, oh, how could you do that? This is unbelievable. Oh, it's a blight on the game. And, you know, but it's like, well, this is what you want, you know, like it's it's just interesting. I just I just noted it and I saw his press conference from last game. They asked him about his 23-13 or whatever he scored, 23-14 and four, and he like laughed and said, they're not really historic numbers, man, but yeah, whatever. Like, and he just doesn't doesn't buy into the stat narrative, the, all that kind of stuff. Like doesn't even get fired up the press conferences and people just like, trying to prod him for reactions and he just doesn't give it to him. And it just, it just makes me laugh at these press conferences. Bogues, you know, like my thing with this whole thing is like, it's not, you can't really generalize, you know, color, race, uh, race, gender, whatever, whatever. Right. But like with the Europeans and they're not all perfect. Don't get me wrong. But you, you look at the European players and most of them are boring as fuck. Like, they don't really, not all of them, but most of them don't get in trouble. They don't, like, fuck around and do some of the stuff that a lot of the other players do in the NBA. I, like I said, they're not all perfect. But, like, you look at, you know, just off the top of my head, you look at guys like Giannis, you know, Giannis and, you know, Jokic, Sabonis. Like, those guys don't tend to get in trouble. Like, they're just sort of whatever guys, you know. Um you know, Vucevic, you don't see, you don't hear it like, and maybe that's the culture they were brought up in. You know, maybe they were a little more sheltered. Maybe they had more coaching. Maybe they were held accountable more. Maybe they, you know, they weren't allowed to do and have the entitlement that a lot of other players, mostly in the United States have. I don't know, but like, you know, I like when somebody's not in a police blotter. I don't, I, I don't, I, I like when guys aren't waving guns around. I like when they're not getting in all these huge fights at four o'clock in the morning outside a club, you know, DUIs. I like when they're just sort of normal dudes. And you know, look, it's almost impossible with all the money these players have not to be fucked up in one way or another. But look, man, the guy's boring. Giannis, boring. Go ahead. You know, I'll take those guys all day. Forget about the basketball, just the way they approach their job. They work hard. They, you know, they're always working out. They're saying the right things. They're respectful to the media most of the time. You know, they're respectful to coaches most of the time. And they're just good dudes, man. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just an interesting note for people to discuss. I mean, it's just interesting to, see, to hear that Jokic is boring and that's kind of the gripe. If that's, if that's a gripe that you're getting, I think you're doing pretty well. So... Um, just thought I'd note that. All right, Chris Paul has officially been waived. We kind of both speculated this a couple of weeks ago. He was owed, I think it was $30 million next season, and they had an early termination clause um, which guaranteed $15.8 million if he was waived before, I think it was the 30th of June um, or something like that or somewhere around this time. So they've, they've waived him. They've moved on from it. Um, some rumblings that he might stay with Phoenix. Uh, I doubt that, but who knows? Um but uh, yeah, no surprise there, bro. Right? Yeah, no surprise. Um, look, it's a money thing for sure, and you know why, why pay him all that money when you could either try to bring him back, which I'm sure they'll, in one way or another, try to reach out and see if they can do something like that. Look, that's a team thing. Most of these teams do stuff like that where they, you know, where they bring the guy back or attempt to do so. Yeah, but what do they bring him back for? I mean, he's waiting for 15 and was owed another 15, so it's like. He's yeah. paid the 15 guaranteed, so they bring him back for 10 and save him five. It doesn't make sense. No, they no, they, bring they'd back. bring him – if they do bring him back, they'll bring him back for yeah. the vet, veteran minimum. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think they will. I think he'll end up – now, look, he's got a few possibilities that he can do. 
he can go to LA and play with LeBron. Obviously, we know his friendship with LeBron, and he's all LeBron all day. You know him and you know him and Draymond are the president and vice president of his fan club, and that's cool. You know, so maybe there, maybe he goes to Golden State. You know, probably not, but maybe. Um, maybe he jumps on the Victor deal and just wants to get attached to Victor, you know, the, the vet that sort of sees him through things and all that, you know, you know, that's sort of his deal. Um, you know, look, he's not gonna, he's not gonna have a shortage of suitors that want him on, on, on their roster. So makes sense financially for him. It gives him some freedom to go wherever he wants. Um, there's, there's going to be a bunch of places he can go to, um, and figure things out. He probably wants to play, wants to start. I would think that you know LA would do that if he if he went to LA, um, but yeah, it, it's interesting to see. But yeah, you you'd expect it just because of the financial ramifications. You know, Phoenix has to free some money up to try to make some moves and plus his age, injuries, all yeah. that kind of stuff. In fact, no doubt about it. Didn't, yeah, wasn't on the floor again. It also appears pro that the whole league of free agents are somehow linked to Houston pro. I don't know if you've noticed this trend, but yeah, <laughs> here's I some have. names. Van Vliet's linked to Houston, Cam Johnson, Brooke Lopez, Middleton, uh, Brooks, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. Um, so it looks like that's the hotspot pro. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, I do know who is celebrating if Harden does come back. Those those working girls in Houston, they're, uh, <laughs> they're, holding, they're having a party right now if uh, James comes back because they're, they're going to upgrade the rims on their car and they're going to be able to – Maybe an upgrade to the next model of, of, of you know, <laughs> the Mercedes or the BMW they're driving. So a lot of happy working girls there, pro. Without question. And then tax revenue, you know, but, you know, obviously they won't, they, eh, they probably, the alcohol will be taxed, but probably not the tips that go in that back room. So, yeah, probably not. So we'll, we'll go with that. But, yeah, I, a lot of players link to them. I just don't see it. I think a lot of those players would, you know, they don't entertain it. But I, I can't see them doing it. I can't see. Look, they're such a mess right now. Probably the biggest thing that they have going for them, besides the location, if you like going out at night, um, is probably their coach. You know, Doka, you know, like, look, the one thing besides the off-the-court stuff that he had, but, like, the, the, the one thing that he can do, for sure, is sort of get you in line. He can, He's not afraid for confrontation. Those young guys need it. But, like, if you're James Harden, besides if you just don't give a fuck about winning and you just want to go and have a good time in Houston and celebrate it and take as many shots as you want, like, but, like, why would you want to go there? They're years away from even being close to winning. Um, I just don't understand it. But, I, I mean, I, I could see it being linked. It's probably mostly agent stuff to get bigger offer sheets or bigger contracts to make sure they're not going to, you know, their clients, the team's not going to lose the guy, but I just can't see them wait, folks. Do you see, I mean, do you see that sort of as a trend? You see that as NBA players really want to go there, like really good NBA players too. It's not like middle of the road guys. These are big time sure. players. Yeah. Texas state tax. Maybe you save, you know, 10% on certain States from playing there. That's definitely an appeal. Houston was hot for a while, no pun intended, but in the summers, there was a lot of, this was probably 10, 15 years ago, right? Probably moved since then, but there was a lot of, John Lucas, I think, was the, the workout coach there. There was a lot of players still in the summers in Houston. Yeah. They loved it. Who knows? Making a revamp. That's a, that's a long list of names that want to go there. So yeah. I'm not sure what's going on there, but it will be, uh, will be interesting to watch. And of course, Jalen Brown, we, we, we've spoken about at length, has been linked there as well. So um, 
just funny seeing this this news come out and you're like, man, that's a lot of players linked there. All right, Dark, Darko Rajakovic, which mm-hmm. is the new head coach of the Toronto Raptors Pro. I don't know a whole lot about him. He's basically I, been a lifer assistant coach in the NBA mm-hmm. uh, from Serbia, obviously coached over there. Uh, spent time with uh, Lou Olsen at the University of Arizona and Mike Krzyzewski at Duke University. Was he? Then came over to the – Was he? I didn't even know. Oh, yeah, okay. it was. Yeah, I'm on his Wikipedia right now. Wikipedia never lies, bro. So um, <laughs> this was in early 2000s, 2003 mm-hmm. Arizona and then Duke 2007. Interesting. Um, was with Cinema which is a red star over there in uh, in Serbia as a young fella. Um, went over to the Spanish League for a little bit, then came back to the G League with Tulsa 66ers. And he's been an NBA assistant ever since. He's been everywhere. He's been a, um, you know OKC, Memphis. Um, he was part of a... Uh, all-star team, all-star team coaching uh, panel um, when he was with uh, with the Thunder. So he's been all over the place. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him, Pro. Do you? Yes, I do actually. Um, I met I met him when he was in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, he'd come in early, work out guys, work out the young players, and I struck up a, 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 a talking relationship with him when we see each other before games. He's very good. He's very detail-oriented. He's very good with players. He's very good with development. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I will, I'm not surprised he's a head coach. I'm surprised he went to Toronto just because I didn't hear his name at all, like not even in the interview process. So they must have kept it under wraps. Charles Lee, the assistant, young assistant coach that was in Milwaukee that's was linked to multiple NBA jobs. I thought he would have a legitimate chance. Um, and a couple other guys that, 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 that was mentioned. I didn't know that he was one of the candidates, but from what I've heard that Toronto, I, I read somewhere today that Toronto was upset at nurse a little bit about the lack of development with the young players. So they probably want to coach. It's more development oriented. Um, you know, Igor, Igor is definitely that. I, I think he's really good. I think he, like I said, he's got good presence of players. He's intelligent. He's been around. I didn't know he was at Duke. I, I know he was around everywhere else. I thought he was in Arizona. Uh, I didn't know he was a Duke, but I mean, he's, he's good. And plus, look, they're probably going to lose some guys from that roster and they're probably going to go young and they're probably going to develop if I had a, if I had a guess. So why not have a coach? that's sort of all about that, you know, all about development, all about sort of presence with young players, just work them, get them better, see what you see, what you got. And now you have this young coach. It's not recycled. He's not one of these head ex head coaches that were recycled nine different places. He's an assistant coach that was at nine different places. So this is a good sort of, you know, a good change. I think, like I said, I think it's good for Toronto. I think their young guys need it. I think they gave up some draft picks over the years. So, you know, they're going to have to turn some, you know, some D-League guys or some castaways that they pick up into serviceable NBA players. And I think that he can do that. I think he's a good coach. I think, he'll, you know, he'll fit right in. I think that they'll, you know, there'll be a good developing team. It will be fun to watch. They're, they're probably in that rebuild mode or close to anyway. So um, it's always a tough one for coaches like Nurse. You come into a, a team that wins a championship and you, you want to win and coaches want to win. They want to get wins on the board. You're you're judged upon your peers. You're judged historically upon wins and losses and it's always hard when you're, you know, you're a Brett Brown with the the process, right? <laughs> you're basically told to lose or you, you know you're going to lose and, and they're going on your record at the end of the day that they're going to hold you accountable for. Hey, you, you, you didn't win any games. You're like, well, <laughs> what do you mean I didn't win any games? So um, tough one for Nurse there, but looking forward to seeing the resurgence of the Raptors. And now a little bit of drama, some drama around the world of basketball. First one, do you see Brittany Griner at the airport, Pro? 
<laughs> no, I didn't. I, I watched her game both both nights, though. My a client that I have, Enrique Gumbawale, plays for Dallas Wings. They played they played them two games in three days. So I watched the games, but did not bump into her at the airport. Yeah, but she got heckled by a guy named Alex Stein. I, I know about him on social media. He does some 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 good stuff, some bad stuff, some few and far between. But uh, he's an instigator when he sees certain figures in public. And anyway, he, he records himself in a selfie, basically saying. Uh, I guess Brittany Griner refused to stand for the U.S. Uh, flag pre her uh, her arrest in Russia, and um, basically was saying, "Are you going to stand for the anthem now, Brittany?" And I can't believe we swapped you for the Merchant of Death. Just but just being kind of sarcastic douchebag about it, but that's kind yeah. of what he does. Um, this has now started a debate pro about uh, you can. I, I, I someone texted me this video, and I wrote back. T-minus debate about chartered jets for WNBA players and it's already started for security reasons and whatnot. And I believe Griner has been okay to fly charter by the WNBA, um, paid for by the WNBA, but just her, which is kind of weird because then you got your whole team flying commercial and you're just on a charter the whole season. It's not not great for Team Morale Pro, but uh, for those that haven't seen it, you can go and jump on it. It's, it's, it is what it is. You might agree with it. You might disagree with it, but it is something that she's going to have to deal with, um, unfortunately, with with the way the way she's went about things politically pre and post, and we all all have our issues um, for things that we've done historically. Sometimes being brought up, but it was yeah pretty pretty interesting. But I think there's going to be another debate pro that we're going to have to hear from the talking heads about uh, about chartered jets for all WNBA teams, which just look at the end of the day is not feasible and not financially viable. Um, the the only way that would work is if the NBA players forego another five percent of their check. To go down to the WNBA to have that have that even be possible, pro, but uh, pretty pretty interesting twenty four hours for WNBA. Yeah, you know, obviously I was against what she did with, with the American flag stuff. You know, I'm I'm, against, I'm totally against that. Uh, the Russian thing, look, from my my standpoint, she shouldn't have done what she did. Yeah, they they obviously had some tongue fuckery with you know holding her as long as she did. No doubt about it. I don't want to debate that. That's a pro basketball player, though. That's what you're going to have to deal with. You have to deal with media that's all over you, that tells you how great you are all the time, and then you're going to have to deal with dicks. Should should some guy get a, a, metal, a metal fucking pipe and beat that fucking guy in a submission? Probably. He's probably an asshole. But that's the shit you got to deal with. You know, as a, as a professional athlete, you put yourself out there, especially when you put yourself out there politically, one side or the other is going to fuck with you. And both sides are fucking, you know, both sides have been known to do that shit. And that's just what it is. And it sucks. Yeah. There's probably going to be a little bit of debate with the, with the flight stuff. I'm against that. I don't think that that's feasible economically for that league. If you're trying to build, you know, you're already in some financial issues as it is, but Look, man, you just—that's what you're dealing with today. You're dealing with a bunch of these hecklers and stuff. If I'm if I'm Phoenix, I'm probably bringing a couple of security people to just surround her when she walks through and to hush those people away a little bit more than they were doing. But that's just what she's gonna have to deal with. And it's—is it right? Is it wrong? Of course, it's wrong for somebody to fuck with you. You don't—you just want to go through, go to go to fucking Sabaras, grab a slice of pizza, and get on your fucking flight, but you so get some fucking asshole that's trying to put a camera in your face. Yeah, it's not great. But like you said, when you put yourself out there politically, people are going to attack you one way or another, and it's it's unfortunate. So yeah, it's uh, you're going to have some talking heads for a while talking about that, and it's just it's just one of those things, man. It's just another day in the fucking circus. And speaking of, uh, we'll finish with with a big one uh, last, but uh, 
I just saw a, a, we're not getting to this stuff too much. We don't want to be the TMZ of podcast, but poor Pierce, uh, for those oh, of you who have not seen it, need to jump online and watch it. He was on a live stream with Kevin Garnett, and I don't think he knew that he was on a live stream, even though Kevin Garnett told him about 15 times. Huh. Uh, poor Pierce was heavily intoxicated, said that he'd brought, he said there's a new company where you can buy a girlfriend for a day, and he let the viewers know that the girl next to him was a girlfriend that he bought for the day. <laughs> At one point, tries to kiss her, she pushes him off. Um, it's all funny for a while this Paul Pierce stuff but like at some point you gotta be like dude like this is not good like you you look, looks like you're falling off the rails I'm sure you know to, the, to, to, to some of these guys on the internet, oh he's living his, his good life and it's great and it's you know I don't know I don't know how it's all gonna work Um, but that was that was a funny one we don't have to get into that one too much but I don't know if you got anything on it but it was it was quite funny and, and Paul Pierce by the end of the stream with not long left realised that they were on a live stream and was like Oh, whoops, you know, and it's like, what are you doing? And I guess it gets more viewers, bro. I don't know. Bogues is fucking embarrassing. You know, it's fucking embarrassing. Like, if you're a player listening to the podcast, you're a pro overseas, you're a pro in the NBA, whatever, whatever, like, this is why ex-players get bad names working in any capacity because of shit like this. Alcohol, women, what you do, look, you're, you're with all the social media stuff and everybody with cameras and everybody with phones and you're always in the public eye and people might think it's a joke because that's what we celebrate. We celebrate like fighting and violence and people just acting stupid. And look, it just hurts. Like he got fired from ESPN, you know, for that live stream at his house. He got, you know, this is probably obviously taking a hit with his things. And it's like, you got to have some type of professionalism when you're doing this stuff, man. And like, I know it's a live stream and trying to have fun, whatever, but just don't go live then. You know what I'm saying? Like, but if you're going to act like that, that's why when people say, wow, pro, you know, they don't want to hire these ex-players because a lot of them, they do, you know, because of their name not being in the limelight like it used to be, they do fall into depression. They do fall into drugs and alcohol. They do like, you know, there's coaches around the league that are ex-players that are drunk half the time come to practice drunk like like when are you gonna start saying you know what like i want to take this shit serious because there's a lot of fucking paul pierce is a hall of famer there's so much money in it for him you know for appearances and things like that and people don't want to touch that like yeah the american public and worldwide public think that's funny as fuck and they want to retweet it think oh, it's, it's funny great. once it's yeah funny once or twice and then after a while you start getting concerned he's got Dude. children too i believe so yeah i mean yeah i'm not more concerned about that he probably can control himself not many people can i don't even know if he can or can't but it's fucking embarrassing like you yo, know, you got kids and that shit's on there forever you gotta deal with my dad being there and it just yeah man yeah it's it's not yeah, good. Not no. good. But hopefully, get some get some, get some help or something, man. But I don't think yeah. I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon. But it would, none, nonetheless, the first thirty minutes of it were car crash type humor. Um, if yeah. that's your thing, go online and have a look. But let's finish with Zion Williamson. So we go from Jokic being boring to Zion Williamson. Um, right. He's he's had quite the off season. That draft class has had quite the off season, pro. Yes, they uh, have. John Morant, Zion. You know. Um, but anyway, he has uh, he's been exposed by. Girl named Mariah Mills, I'm sure that's her real name, bro. Um, a porn star on OnlyFans, basically had a relationship with her on the side of his girlfriend, who are now expecting a child. So Zion put a post out with his baby mama and child or whatever it was, like happy to be going to be a father soon, blah, blah, blah. This girl's gone to town on him um, that he was having a side relationship with and posted all the screenshots and messages and all that kind of stuff, um, which 
is questionable at best. I'm like, you know, the fact that she's doing that is, is ridiculous in its own right and getting attention for it and the media loves this stuff. But, uh, you know, basically say, you know, he's, he's paying her hush money. She's got bank paying her money to fly out to him in New Orleans when obviously the girlfriend's not there, blah, 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 blah. And that's blown up. But, but rest assured, Pro, in the midst of this scandal, Zion Williamson has donated $250,000 to Jefferson Parish, Parish Schools for uniforms for, for all, the, all the young children. So his PR team, <laughs> his PR team. Unbelievable, what's a good way to What's a good way to get away from uh, Zion banging a porn star on the side of his girlfriend who's expecting a child? I know, 250K to a local school. That, that'll go down really well. And <laughs> it's, it's, I just... I laugh at this shit. Some I shouldn't laugh because it's not funny. But the reason why I bring this up is not so much to go at Zion. Um, he's a big boy. He's made a mistake. But if you think this is a one-off in the NBA, pro, you don't have to touch on this, but I can as a player. If you think this is a one-off in the NBA, you're very wrong. You're very wrong. Uh, this is this is a common occurrence on many teams I've been on. It's a common occurrence amongst the league where there are, you know different relationships and that's how they have the relationships. Some know about it, some don't. Um, but this this is not this is not something you need to be shocked about because it happens a lot. It happens a lot. There's girls I know for a fact that are on players' payrolls to be a side girl. And unfortunately, uh, the stupidity of that is that, that that tap cannot get turned off pro. So once you're paying a – here's some relationship advice. Once you're paying a – a girl or a man, this could go either way these days, yeah. you're paying a side piece to be a side piece. The moment you stop paying that side piece, your wife's going to find out about it, bro. That's just the way the world works. So the moment you're like, holy shit, I've retired. I can't keep paying you 20K a month to be my side piece because I can't afford it anymore. That's going to go public. That's just the reality of the world. And I, I saw it, uh, it mainly in silence in the NBA. I had some, some people that I played with and against that, you know, we're paying people off and whatnot and this and that. Um, and it, it's, it, it's normal, bro. I have to say it. It's, it's normal. But then back to my argument, Nikola Jokic, boring. Zion Williams, oh, shit, he's super interesting, bro. What do you got? Bogues, I think this is the biggest non-story that I've ever heard. And I'll tell you why. Like anybody that's outraged, especially a woman dealing with this, it's like getting jerked off by Edward Scissorhands and then complaining about your cuts. You, I mean, a young NBA player that's a superstar that has all that money, I'm going to borderline 85% have multiple relationships, right, on the side. And it's a known thing. And if you think that you're the only one in most of these cases, especially if you're coming from the porn industry and – like, no offense, but that's just the way they're going to probably treat you. And if you get upset about it, like, this isn't a one-off thing around this league. This, this You've been re hearing about this for 45 years. So it's not a new thing. And if you, like, do you think you're the only one? It is what it is. It's young kids that are narcissists that's been, everybody around them has been giving them everything that they need since they're 11 years old. Now you put millions of dollars in with Zion, it's even way more than any of the 98% of these other rookies you know, making from all his endorsements and stuff. You put all that money into a situation where you don't really have a lot of self-control. We've seen it with his weight and his diet and all this other stuff. You see that plus the way he's been treated for the last, oh, I don't know, 12 years. 
and getting whatever he wants and then being able to get anything he wants because people are throwing themselves at him. Video guys, they get seven and a half and eights now on the road. Like because they're part no, of the No, they team. don't, bro. No, they get about five. Virtual, still. Maybe virtual, maybe on the meta goggles. But you know, really like. you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, like, but that's the thing. Like, how can she be upset? What do you think? Do you think that do you think that you're you're with Ward Cleaver here? It is what it is. They're young kids. Oh, like, I'm not, this is the thing. The, the, the girl to me is just as, as bad to blame as, yeah. as anyone else. I highly doubt Zion was saying, I'm gonna marry you one day and you know, you, you know, and it's at the end of the day, I don't think I don't think the the young lady who indulged in being a porn star only had Zion, you know, on the fire, you know. Uh, I'm sure people were paying to do other things and, you know, maybe she was going on other dates with other people, who knows. But it's it's it's, it's pretty bad. But, but like I said, it's just it's, – it's, it's a situation that is rife in professional sports. Um, there's – look, we, we – let's be honest, let's get a bit, bit – kind of brutal here but when we have our NBA rookie rookie uh, transition program where they bring all the rookies in and they tell you about life and this and that and um, bring speakers in and counselors and they were telling us there was there was a group of girls at one point before I got in the league that would um, that would take the condom when the guy was finished and take it wherever it was out of the bin or whatever when the guy went to the bathroom or whatever drop it outside the door to another girl and then try to get impregnated that way Right. Um, not the best way to get impregnated, but there's there was schemes like that. There was, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, there were cases where, you know, females said they'd been uh, violently abused in a room and then there was elevator footage of them punching themselves, you know. So there's schemes mm -hmm. to get these players, no doubt, you know, uh, to knock them up, um, to get money out of them. And you got to be, you got to have your head switched on. And, you know, I'm not always saying it's, it's, it's not the player's fault because it takes two to tango, but it's just... The fact the media loves this stuff, I hate it. I, I think it's disgusting um, to, to do this. But you, if you're Zion, you got to be smarter than that, man. Like you, you know, um, you just you just can't be doing that stuff and, and being out there. And, and I spoke to a prominent, you know, world famous person. I'm not going to name their names and put them out there, but had this discussion with him in front of my wife. Actually, um, we, we both we we both met him and um, we're talking about that. And and he made a valid point. You know, he said what you have to also understand is you got to you got to like like Pro always says, I'm not going to tell someone how to feel, or I, I can't I can't you know stand in their shoes or walk in their shoes. Is a lot of a lot of kids, the opposite of the ones that are being, you know, schmoozed since eleven. There's a lot of kids that grew up from nothing, right? Um, grew up really poor. Never uh, ate at fire restaurants. Never were in that lifestyle, and now all of a sudden they're in a room with nines and tens, Pro, and they might be married from high school with their high school sweetheart. Um, but you put yourself in the, in their position, they've never seen nines or tens and 10 of them that want to go out with them, right? So the temptation then leads to, to, to problems, right? So it's not always as cut and dry, but this, this arm things, you know, you feel bad for the young fellow reading some of those text messages that, that this chick's posted and you're just like, he's even writing to her like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Like, you know, he's 20K, just shut up. And you just feel bad because he's, he's learned the hard way and he's young, he's dumb, but the only way we can judge people like that is if they learn from this and, and it doesn't happen again and, and you move on with life. But it just, I just hate this industry of, 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 of celeb cleat chases that just are, are going out to do damage. You know, right. um, I guess back in the day it was, I want to marry a, an athlete. <laughs> so there was at least somewhat investment into the relationship, right? 
these days it's like I just want to get knocked up. I don't want to be in a relationship with them. So it's like not 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 good, not good for society, not good for the kids growing up, not good for those relationships. I think it's just a poisonous kind of industry. That's my take on it, pro. But uh, had to note it because it was it was it, it's trending in NBA world and it is the off season. So if you're not talking NBA finals, there's not a lot of news. So this did make the forefront, pro. But uh, let's hope we don't have to talk about any of this stuff next week. But I bet we will. All right, moving on to Australia NBL. Milton Doyle has re-signed with the Jack Jumpers for two more years. Great re-signing by the Jack Jumpers, one of the elite imports in the league last season. Uh, made some huge shots for them. He's played over in the G League and whatnot. And we actually had our eyes on him at the Sydney Kings a number of years ago. Uh, I think when we had an injury replacement, he was on our short list and it didn't, he wasn't fully committed to Australia at that point yet. And good on the Jack Jumpers. They got that one done, which is great. Bull Kowal has re-signed with Cairns for one more year. So he's betting on himself in free agency, just signing a one-year deal. See if he can get his value up. But he's gone back for another hopefully championship run with the Cairns Taipans. Very, very good re-signing for them. The Sydney Kings, uh, we are down to our final four in our coaching search. So hopefully have more news on that. But doing interviews, actually did two interviews this morning. Won't reveal any of the names, but did two interviews this morning for the second round of our top four. Uh, so hopefully we'll have something out in the next uh, couple of couple of weeks. And on a sad note, pro, uh, the Sydney Flames, uh, one of our gun players, Tiana Mangakahia, is forced into early retirement uh, by a breast cancer diagnosis pro. Very sad. One of the, one yeah. of the best players, a lively personality, loved by everyone around, around the organization. And you hate to hear this kind of news. It ca- kind of came out of nowhere and quickly. And yeah, I mean, when, when you get that kind of diagnosis, um, it goes along the, along the lines of should you be playing basketball um, when there's a, when there's essentially a, I think it's, you know, one of those things that how many more years do you have left? Um, and then on top of that, with, with, with that form of cancer, your bone structure can weaken, obviously chemo and all that kind of stuff. So we send out our thoughts and, and prayers out to her. And uh, as a club, we are doing everything we can to keep her around the club in some capacity. And that's going to be totally up to her. But we're, we're fully supportive of her. The whole club is we're doing whatever we can to make sure that she – does whatever she wants basically um, within our capacity, whether it's an assistant coach, whether it's just come to trainings, whatever you, whatever she wants to do, we're trying to, we're trying to help support pro. So um, one of those, one of those things you don't like talking about, but we have to send out our best wishes out to her. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. I read about that uh, a few days ago and it's, you know, you never want to see that for anybody. So, you know, that's, that goes back to, you just don't know what some people are going through. Um, Yeah. You know, she's a, a, a bubbly positive personality but you know that's it's tough it's tough so we we wish her all the best all right moving on dabble social betting experience where you can jump into the banner channels connect with the dabble community and write a bet together follow copy bets jump into banter go and download the app at the app store dabble or one word dabble socially and gamble responsibly i actually did a game four viewing party with dabble in brisbane uh for game four a couple of days ago was a big hit so if you inclined to have a punt every now and then download the app that will do a lot of good things for their for their punters and 200 odd people got to go to a wing house unlimited food and alcohol pro which you don't see very often usually there's some sort of limit restrictions like you can only have two beers and 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 one one pot of wings and that's it this was full threshold open bar for the whole duration of the game so a lot of happy and somewhat tipsy um punters there pro on the day which was a pretty good turnout we actually had (laughs) a few people walk off the street into the into the function a couple of people walked up i'm like what's going on here they're like oh it's a double event are you are you with dabble and one one guy said no but i can be and they said all right download <laughs> the app and put 
you know, sign up as, as a user and we'll let you in. And, and he got in for free and, and had some drinks on us. So that was, uh, that was quite funny. I got a little smirk out of that. It was some shit I would have done as a kid. Um, but yeah, moving on. Stats, useful or useless pro. Most fourth qu- quarter points in the finals, pro. Who would you, who'd you have in your – give me your top four off the top of your head. Fourth, uh, fourth quarter scoring? Fourth quarter uh, individual points for the NBA Finals. Yes, uh, for players. Um, you know, I read somewhere. Where did I read it? Was it Booker who still leads the scoring? No, NBA Finals, pro. Just finals. Oh, just the finals. I'm sorry. They said playoffs. Fourth quarter scoring. I'm gonna guess Jokic, Murray, Gordon, Butler. Close. Jokic, 28, and Murray, you're right, 23. They're the top two. Number three, our guy, Duncan Robinson, ah. 22. He's got 22 points. Sorry, he's got 23 points. Bam out of bio, 22. I thought Jimmy would be in there, but he hasn't He hasn't been fourth quarter Jimmy in this series, and they're down 3-1, so useful or useless? Uh, it's pretty useful when it comes down to the series, of, you know, who's scoring in the fourth quarter and who's not. Now, you can make the case that Butler is getting doubled and he's giving it up to his teammates. But, um, yeah, i say it's pretty useful. See who's scoring in the fourth quarter. Yeah, useful. I like that Duncan Robinson's in there. Um, we, we like to, you know, get on him a little bit because he, he's bounced back. And Bam Adebayo, I think, has had a pretty good series so far. So if he has a couple more good games like he's had in the series, they've got a chance to steal game five. Uh, touching on that one, similar, similar vein, most clutch points this playoffs and their um, field goal percentage is still Jimmy Butler, even though he hasn't a great finals. For the total of the playoffs, he's had 39 clutch points at 48%. Jason Tatum was 31 points at 44%. Jokic, 29 points at 36%. So a pretty low clip for, for Jokic in clutch points, but usually he's getting more dimes late in games. And 24 for Marcus Smart at 57% pro. So they were, they're the clutch leaders as far as points for the whole duration of the playoffs and finals. Useless, useless. Uh, useful. I mean, cl- clutch, I guess. I mean, you know, see see who's delivering the clutch in the playoffs is important. I don't, I'm not, you know, like, I'm not overly excited about it, but I say they're they're pretty useful. What do you say? Yeah, useful. It's always good to know who the clutch points are. And they're all kind of both the same kind of stats were thrown out. So I'd say useful on that one. Uh, teams that are up 3-1 in the finals are 35-1 and all time. Thanks, Warriors. Useful or useless, bro? What was it, Bogues, again? I'm sorry. Uh, you, you teams that are up 3-1 in the finals are 35-1 yep. and all time on winning the series. The one is the Warriors that lost it uh, when I was yeah. there, unfortunately. <laughs> it's pretty useful. I mean, it basically tells you you're up 3-1. You're, you're in pretty good shape. So, yeah, I'd say it's useful. Useful as well. Very hard to come back from that, and stats generally don't lie. But there are outliers every now and then, um, but we'll see what happens. That wraps up the useful useless this week, Pro. Let's go to Q&As. Twitter, Alan Chan. All right, NBA team NBA team owns G League team to develop talent. This is from Alan Chan on Twitter. Should the NBL team follow a similar model and own an NBL one team? Any other thoughts on changes needed in the current Australian pathway for young players? It's a tough one, uh, Alan. I've thought of this, but when we've had these discussions with our organization and some other people, uh, it, the hard thing is if you have an NBL one team in a respective league, that team is going to be stacked with NBL talent and it's going to piss off all the other NBL one teams and associations. Um, right now, the way we most teams do it is 
you know, you got your, your, your roster of the Sydney Kings and generally your, your, your bench slash couple of maybe a fringe starter will go and play for different NBL one teams and even play against each other sometimes. I think that probably works better as far as the quality of the competition throughout, throughout NBL one uh, leagues throughout Australia. I think if you have them all on one team, but I, I think it does make sense like just looking at it from a team ownership point of view because then we could keep guys in town. Let's say you've got an injury about an injury during the regular season, bad injury, you're out six months, we keep you in town and then we slowly transition you kind of maybe in the NBA one with limited minutes. That would be great, but we have to get our head around making sure that it's somewhat balanced because I know, you know, the Sydney NBA one is the New South Wales NBA one is probably not one of the stronger NBA ones, probably the weaker NBA ones in, in the Australian NBA one system. Last thing you want to do is have a Sydney Kings light NBL one team that's got you know four of our guys it'd just be it'd be a bloodbath um so we'd have to figure out a way around it but i think in on on premise it definitely makes sense and we've looked at it but strategically we just can't implement it bro i don't know if you got anything on that yeah i mean look it's it's tough to it's tough to develop new avenues to work you know to get your young players better especially if you can't find them enough minutes with your big club um so they so you guys don't have any ownership in your in your lower leagues, Bogues, it's just they're on their own. That's we just could, a, we could technically yeah. align with someone, but like I said, then it, it, it skews the, the competition because right now, let's say four of our bench guys, they'll all go to different NBA one teams, so they might play against each other, right? So it right. evens it up more. Where I think if we just stack one team, I don't think it's going to do good for the league, and you're going to piss some people off, and they'll try to change the rules and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I know the Perth Wildcats, I believe, own their NBA one team up there in in Perth. Um, but we, we could do it, but it, it just doesn't make business sense for us right now. It's not kind of like the G League and the NBA where it's direct and you can kind of go up and down. And, and the res, you know, the G League, essentially the results in the G League aren't probably the number one parameter for most teams owning those leagues. Like it's it's all about development and getting guys minutes. And if you win, sensational. Uh, whereas the NBA one teams are still, you know, they're still trying to win. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you should spread it out if you're going to do it that way, you know, instead of putting them on one team, because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to impact the league like that, where you want those games to be competitive. You want to, but also I do like the fact that, you know, in the, in the NBA, I know they, they have to run it differently than when you guys would run it, but it is good to have your guys on teams, but it's a well-funded league and they've got a, a bunch of good players. So even if you stack your team, you still, you know, it's still competitive. Yeah, I, I agree with you on on your stance with it. There you go, Alan. I hope we do it one day, but I doubt it. Uh, Facebook, Bo Sayer, with the success of the Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat this year, um, recent title wins for the Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks, do you think teams will be less inclined to try and put together super teams or is player power too strong and superstars wanting to play together will always win out? Pro, what do you think? Um, I think that, you and I were talking about it earlier, you know, you brought it up where teams always like to copy the winning team. You're like, if you win a championship, this is the way we got to play. This is the way we got to do it. Yeah. In a perfect world, you want to do it like Denver does, but you're not drafting, you're not drafting one of the best players of all time at 41 and then, you know, bringing them along. And then you could just put all these role players around them. I think, I think teams are too power hungry. They're too hungry to get in the press. They want to impress, you know, Woj and these guys with, like, you know, writing about them all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, journalists, like, 
loving them. You know, wow, they, you know, GM did a great job. They're, you know, they've got all these players. They're a great team. They're, you know, the best franchise in the league. So I think they're going to keep on being power hungry to try to acquire as many great players as possible. I think that's still going to be a thing. I mean, I think on paper, it's sort of like culture, right? Everybody wants culture, but when it's times they get having culture, they don't have any culture. And I think like on paper, it's great to do it the way Miami does it culture-wise, but teams can't do it. I think on paper, it's great to do what Denver did, but again, you need that, like not just all-star player, you need that MVP that can pass the ball better than 99% of the players that ever play the game and then have those intangibles. And then you also need a coach like Mike Malone and you need all these things to happen. I don't think the teams are going to do it. I think they're going to be more power hungry, continue to try to do it the, you know, the way of acquiring great players and putting them together. Yeah. And I think it's hard to do that. I think it's hard to do what Miami have done and what Denver have done. Like it's, it's not easy. And it's a, it, there's a bit of patience that's involved. Denver's been patient. If, you know, what year is this for Malone? Five, six? You know, oh, at he's least, been there yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's patience there. Like uh, you look at look at all the coaching movement that's going on. You know, teams get to the conference finals or or you know, two rounds before semifinals and they get they get they get fired, right? Um we joked about that last week and the week before. So I think teams would like to do what Miami and these teams are doing. Can they replicate it? No. And so then impatience sets in and they say, shit, let's just buy a championship. We've got a rich owner. They just get a big three and try that way. Uh, how can we? How can we? How can we kind of? What's our cap looking like? How can we kind of make that happen? Let's make some moves. This that. Um, whereas there's not a lot of incentive for. Hey, we've got Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent. We've got some great role players. You know, yeah, we've got some injuries. We're going to sit tight. We're not going to panic. And now we're in the NBA Finals, competing for a championship. So I'd love to see it go that way. But I think genuinely a real minority of teams can do it. And there's a real minority of superstars that buy into that way. Jimmy Butler's one of them. Bam Adebayo is another. Could you replicate what Miami are doing with two top-tier superstars? Who knows? You could argue – no. You could argue they don't get through Miami. with that. Uh, Milwaukee, apologies, with, with that kind of – without that tough grind mentality, right? Um, there's a lot. I think an underrated part of the NBA is fit and – the way t- players fit with each other, um, how they complement each other. I don't think it's as simple as the Phoenix Suns. Hey, let's just get Durant, Booker, Chris Paul. That has to win. That's three stars. It's not as easy as that, in my opinion. Well, owner, GM, coach, first of all, need to be on the same page. And you tell me how many teams did that actually happen with. So if that's the first thing that has to happen. Everybody needs to be aligned, which 26 teams don't do, right? And that's just that's that's just that's just honesty. Then you need to have everybody hold the line, meaning you need that develop. You need that GM that knows what he's doing as far as finding cheap talent, draft talent that you could develop. Then you need the actual staff to develop it. Then you need a GM that's not going to cheat it and say, "Yeah, we're going to bring no no offense on this guy, but like we'll bring in Lance Stevenson for eight million dollars." Why are you going to do that like an aging superstar, not so aging superstar, an aging good player, and instead of like playing your guy's minutes? Like, look, no, we have a plan. We're not going to be, we're not going to be, like our attention's not going to go against this guy that we can get. No, no, no. We're going to follow this plan through. We're not going to fire our coach. All right. We're going to have our coach really get on our guys, give them everything that they need, everything financial that they need best jet, best food, best training, best coaching. But when it comes to the like 
the pillars of what a foundation of what makes us an organization. If you're late, if you're disrespectful, if you get in trouble off the court, if you don't fit in, we're going to get rid of you and we're not going to hold the line. We're not going to take your shit. We don't care how good you are. There aren't many teams that could really do that because if you say, all right, so say like New Orleans, right? Say CJ McCollum doesn't want to do that. And he's like, nah, I'm out. Fuck this. I'm, I'm going to go, right? Like, you're not going to be like, no, CJ, you're going to stay and you're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. If he's threatening to leave, you're like, probably going to be like, no, 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 no. All right. All right. You can come in at 10, 15 instead of 10 o'clock. Like, whatever. You're going to, you're not going to hold the line. And I think that these four organizations or so that do this the right way, they don't shortcut it. Now, it doesn't work all the time. Miami, you know, Miami had some ups and downs with this thing. Denver had some ups and downs with this thing. Here's the thing. When LeBron and those guys wanted to fire Spolstra, Pat Riley had told them to fuck off. When Mike Malone, you know, when those guys fell short in the playoffs like a couple years back, they didn't fire him. No, they, they look, we understand it's not going to work every year, but we're going to hold the line. We're going to work you hard. We're going to give you everything that you need. But we're gonna work you hard and we're gonna have we're gonna have law and order here. And not many organizations can do it that way. Either the coach ain't right, the GM doesn't know what he's doing, they don't know how to develop players, they just the owners like you know supersedes everybody and like, no, we're gonna sign Lance Stevens and nine million, Dwight Howard, eight million. Like we we need these guys because people need to come to the game. No, fuck that. You know, like we need to develop our players, we need to hold them accountable, we need to stay on this path and Hopefully it will work out. And that's how you build it up. You don't just throw money at people. That's why salary cap's so overrated. When you pay B-level free agents A-level money, you just fuck your whole thing up. You draft, you develop, you bring in pieces that work. And then when everybody's ready to go three, four years down the line, now you go after your superstar. You trade picks or trade young players, and then you get these superstars to fit. And now you're good. But I don't know. You just can't shortcut it. No, you can't, and that's that's a problem with pro sports. People getting impatient. GM versus coach battles in you know ensue. Um, your your fault, coach. You're not coaching the roster I put together. Coach yes. says, "Well, your roster you put together is bullshit." Blah blah blah. Then the owners got to figure out. All right, which one do I like better? Which one has my ear? Which one's telling the truth? It's kind of a yes. Usually, it's a race to the finish that way, and that's what you got to deal with. So it will be interesting to see, though. Like you know, we joked about the money ball thing with with Miami, but you know there is a way to do it, and but there's. When I, when I rethink saying, shit, do you think teams are going to go towards good character, role-playing guys that play both ends? Probably not because they're too impatient. So I probably disagree with what I thought a couple of weeks ago because there's only a couple of teams that have the balls to do it. You know, Pat Riley's one of them. Um, you know, maybe you've got OKC, Presti. There's, there's only a few that can do that. Um, yeah. Denver's doing it well, but yeah. there's not, not many that can live and die by that. Even if they... Like let's say you, you you build that way and then you have a bad year like next year, like Miami, you know, they don't make the playoffs or they just bomb out or whatever. They'll still stay patient. They're not going to panic and fire Spo straight away, right? And I think longevity is important and consistency. All right, off to Instagram for our last one. With the success of Mason Cox coming from college basketball to the AFL, should more clubs look at tall Americans with basketball backgrounds and should more players consider the code switch from Europe and the U.S. to come to the AFL. That's from MJ Nolan 5. So Mason Cox Pro was a – I think it was a walk-on with – was it Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? Um, you know, 6'10", 7-foot guy. He's come over here and, and earned a pretty good living playing Australian rules football. Uh, it's a position he called the ruck, which is basically like a 
it's almost like a jump ball. Uh, whenever the ball goes out of bounds, the umpire just throws it back in over his head, high as can be, and, and you get to tap it to a teammate. So that's where a big guy becomes useful and that's where the question's coming from. Do I think it can happen? Yes, I think it can happen more. Um, you know, Mason Cox's journey has been pretty crazy when you consider he's never t- he never touched a footy till he came to Australia. Um, using that loosely, obviously he touched a footy, but but you know most of us grow up with it how it ball, how the ball bounces, the nuances of the game. But it also maybe is a a little bit of a, a slide at the AFL of how a guy can just make the AFL without growing up with the game and just just on pure athleticism and size, not 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 overly skilled and. I think he's figured things out. So um, I think more players could look to do it. Um, but it's a hard sell. I mean, moving to Australia, foreign code, foreign place, um, it's not easy. And what Mason Cox has done should be commended. But at the same time, um, I don't think it's going to be a massive, massive pathway long-term. I think it's, it's still very hard to transition. I know the, the AFL, I don't know if they're still doing it, but for a while they were doing those international or US camps or some shit where they, they'd have guys come over and – um, they put them in like the VFL, the minor leagues for a year or two and see how they went. And I, I think that's tough. I think that's really, really hard. But, you know, Mason Cox has earned a pretty good living with a pro and um, better than better than living over there in, you know, the US and, and just being a tall guy that works an everyday job and being asked every day of your life whether you play basketball. So at least you're doing something productive sporting-wise. No doubt about it. What do they make uh, AFL guys like that make um, both? I'm not sure what he'd be on. They don't really release their numbers. It, you know, it's a taboo I have with Australian sports. No one wants to release their numbers, which is just idiotic in my opinion. NBL, hurry up and do it. I think it'd be great. But uh, he'd be on, I'd assume, I'd, I'd guess between probably 400K, 500K 400. Mason Cox. God damn. So somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, like your top players are earning over a million a year. Um, your top players definitely earning over a million a year. Your, 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 your rookies – your low end rookies are are I think between eighty and hundred k, and then I think they give their match payments if they get if they get a game in the in the the top team they get an extra couple of grand per game. Um, so so real real good money. Like you you don't need to work for the most part. Um, if, you, if you're on an AFL list, you're making enough. If you're on the bottom of an AFL list, you're like your fringe. You're grinding to try and make this the main squad. You're still making enough where you don't need a job. And um, if you're if you're just middle tier, you're you're pretty pretty well off while you're playing. You're in the easy six figures and. There's some even some some players that you know are just average that are, that are on four or five hundred thousand. So um, it is the number one sport in Australia, especially in Melbourne. That's where it, where it, where it, I mean, there's eight or nine teams in Melbourne alone. Um, but uh, it is interesting to see if, if more Americans will come over. But I, I don't think it's as easy as just bringing them over and, and having them play a position. Pro, what do you have for us? Fact or fake news? Bogues, um, Damian Lillard's been in the in the press about talking about trades and. You know, trade to Miami, Boston. Uh, doesn't want to be in Boston. Um, you know, all that. Here's my question to you: Dame Willard will be on Portland longer than Kyrie Irving will be in Dallas. Fact or fake news? Oh, good one. What I find interesting is that Dame's finally talking about it. First off, pro, because um, yeah. that hasn't been his mo lately, but. Uh, well, Damon will be on Portland longer than Kyrie will be on Dallas. Fake news. I think Dame's out of there. Um, whether it happens this offseason, I'd give it a month or two into the regular season when they're inevitably, inevitably going to be 500 again like they always are and they'll move him on. So I think he'll be there longer. But that is if – Kyrie's got an opt-in, right? Or is he a free agent? Free agent, I believe. 
But, but did Dallas have a protection to keep him or not? Um, He's just, yeah, I mean, I do think I do believe, and they and they can't match like for like. So if he walks, they can't just fill that that salary with someone else, right? Right, the but they could, works. but they could sign and trade and add the extra year, so he will get an extra year of pay, like. Because obviously he wants the whatever fifty million dollars a year, whatever that he's eligible for, and that's mm-hmm. why teams don't want to give it to him. Um, again, I'm not a capologist; I might be a little wrong on this. Um, but what I what what the advantage is for Dallas is because I believe they have his bird rights. If I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong on this, but they could sign and trade him, give him the extra year to the team if they want to, if they want to sign him long-term, like if he wants to go to the Lakers or wherever, right? Like, you know, and the Lakers can only offer him like four years. Well, they could offer him five or three and four. I forgot what it is. But so, yeah, so that's the advantage there. And, um, you know, for Dallas to, to Dallas to do what they got to do with him, but they he could just walk, like he could just definitely walk, and they don't get any compensation. But usually, you know, you hold out for the sign and trade. You find a third team, um, you trade them in the cap room. You get a couple of picks out of it, a couple of you know late first or a second. Um, but I do believe that I do I do believe it's fake news. I I I think that Dame's out of there, and I do believe that. Dallas will probably re-sign Kyrie to some sort of deal. Well, they have to. They're kind of they've kind of pushed their chips to the table to do so, I believe. But uh, yeah. we'll be interested to see where Dame goes and if he, if he ends up in Miami because we called that a long, long time ago. So I'd be really interested to see if that if that comes to fruition. It'll probably have to be centered around um, Tyler Hero. You know, in my opinion, like get a young player, get picks. Um, they're not just going to give go for their picks. So my thing is, it's probably going to be. You know, and again for Portland, do you really want to do that because you're paying this guy thirty million already? You know, with Tyler Hero, but I mean, you're gonna to have to make this deal work, and that's the problem. Like, you still got to put bums on seats too. You still got to have somewhat a competitive team, and Hero can at least bring him some scoring with that young group. Fit right in. He's a young talent. Who knows what his ceiling is? So maybe you take that risk and say, you know, at least we're still selling tickets. People still come to the games. I mean, I always laugh at these teams that try to get rid of superstar players and not bring back like for like salary to an extent and they're trying to just cut salary and then they just suck and they're like, oh, you know, no one's coming to our games. Like, well, no shit. Like, <laughs> who wants to watch that? You know what I'm saying? And it'll be really fun to watch Dame Willard and Jimmy Butler on the same team. Imagine That'd having awesome. a team. Yeah, imagine having like two guys that – actually three guys without a bio. Like, imagine having three guys that are really locked in and tough and sort of do it closest that you're going to get to doing it the right way as far as handling themselves, um, you know, being locked in, being, you know, not, not being, you know, not being a fuck off, let's be honest, and, and, and really caring about things and having those three guys, it'll probably, it'll probably cost them another role player on top of Harrow plus a bunch of picks. Uh, but I think that Dame Lillard is totally Pat Riley and Spolster's type of guy. And, and I think that that would be great. Um, you know, it'll be interesting because you hear all these things like you hear about possibly Boston wanting to, you know, basically give like lesser tier players to Minnesota to, you know, not really giving them anything to 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 try to um to try to get town ta- uh, try to get towns. That'll be interesting now if you have towns 
uh, you know, Towns and Tatum, and then you trade Brown for something really good, or you keep Brown together. So it, it's interesting because Dame doesn't want to go to Boston. At least that's what he says. But like, what happens if they do make that deal? Now, I don't think financially they could afford to um, to bring in Lillard, pay Tatum, and have Towns's contract. But it'll be interesting. Miami will spend whatever. Like they don't care. So. Yeah, I, I definitely see him being gone. And, you know, him talking about a Bogues, that's just sort of the circle that goes. First, it's never, he's untouchable. The player like, no, I want to stay. And then you just hear it enough, like where it pounds you every day. Sound guy, there you go, another one. But um, it, you, get, <laughs> you, you get pounded with it every day, hearing about it. And then finally, it just like, your boys are talking about it. Your agent's talking about it. Your girls are talking about it. Whatever, whoever's talking about it. You're finally like, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Let's, let's, let's finally do it. So that's why I think it's just sort of just eating at it, eating at it, eating at it. And I just think that they're finally like, all right, let's just at least talk about it. And I think the next stage is, all right, let's, I don't think it's going to get ugly. I think it's going to be one of those things where he's got too much respect for the organization of the town unlike most NBA players. And I think that they, they're they just going to say, hey, look, I, I want to go here because obviously I could void any trade. Get me here. And then they're going to try to work a deal the best, you know, best for them. And I think, like, for me, it'll be Hero, either Hero, you know, I don't know, maybe throwing Rob, maybe Robinson, but probably like Hero and like Caleb Barton, Struess, one of those guys with Hero to make the money work. And then maybe you got to throw in Duncan Robinson. And then for Miami, I wouldn't want to get rid of Duncan Robinson, but if they're feeling internally that they want to get off his salary, then throw him in the deal, throw some picks. Now you get off Robinson, you get Lillard, you have a little more flexibility than you would have. And then we'll go from there. Interesting deal. Now let me ask you a hypothetical. If, uh, not this, this is a slight chance of happening. Miami yeah. win the championship. Do you still make that deal? Here's, here's the only thing, both. Do I make the deal? Like, if do you, you basically, make, you know, make some moves from the team that won you a championship to, it's kind of the KD argument, right? Like it's with the Warriors. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like the Warriors yes. were winning final second appearance and then said, screw it, we're still going to go to hit a home run and get KD for the long term. That's kind of the argument. I, you know, here's the only thing with that, folks, right? If you make the deal, you've got your only really, and I'm not a huge hero guy, but like, Look, Butler's getting up there in age. Bam is probably your best asset right now to trade. But Hero probably fits for you more to trade. You're not going to trade Bam. You're probably going to trade Hero because of all the other guys doing well. If you trade Hero to get Dame Lillard, right, then you got no more really tradable pieces unless you're going to move Bam. And why would you ever do that down the line? Like, you always want that guy you can move that has talent, that, that puts up numbers, but young enough and valuable enough where you can get picks or another great player in, a, in exchange. If they make this deal, I, I think it's going to be hard after three years from now where, like, like where, what's this team going to look like then? Because now you, your pieces are, unless you, like, unless you're going to, you know, put, K, you know, you're going to put all these guys in a deal. You're going to put Gabe, Vincent, Struess, Martin in deals separately down the line and collectively get another player. You always want to have either a lot of picks, a lot of cap room, but mostly you want picks and you want young players that you can deal with either bigger contracts with you know players you want to throw away 
like a Duncan Robinson, or you want to have those guys, you know, like a hero already making thirty million, where you can easily just move them. So if they make this deal, Bogues, they're in, they're all in on this team. And then when it's all done, I think it's almost all done. Like they got about a three-year window, and I think all these guys become a little too old to move for some great pieces. Yeah, I agree. It's just an interesting debate to see if they yeah. if they did up and win it and steal it and make history. I do think they make the move, Bogues. I do. I, yeah, I, I agree. I think yeah. you still make the move. I think you've you know even though Vincent and Mountain has been huge, I think you lose one of them in that in that deal potentially. Yeah, and uh, you you live with it. You live with the results. So, all right, another week in the books. Hopefully, we have an NBA Finals wrap up by next week. This will be the morning of Game Five. Uh, this podcast will drop. So enjoy it, and we'll see you all next week, bro. All right, folks. We'll see you guys next week. Let's get rogue.